Hey there, Pierce McCarthy here and you're very welcome to Foreplay, a podcast for those who have a love of music. The idea behind this podcast is that in each episode I'll be joined by an artist, be they a singer-songwriter or the main songwriter of a band. I've asked each guest to send me four songs which they have written that are most personal to them. Over the course of the podcast we will then chat about the inspiration behind the song and the process my guest went through from the song being just an idea or a thought in the head to the finished product which we will hear on Foreplay. And in this episode I'm delighted to be joined by and give a big Foreplay welcome to Danny O'Reilly of the Coronas. Danny, you're very welcome. How are you doing, bud? Not too bad at all, Pierce. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, man. Very good. As well as can be expected in this mental year that I think everybody's going to want to forget, eh? Absolutely, yeah. It's one of them. You have to stay positive, don't you? It's, yeah. uh, it's, everyone's had a few ups and downs, I think, this year. What's the thing that you've used the most to stay positive through 2020? I don't know. Like, it's funny. I think, I was only chatting about this earlier on. I think if if it had happened when I was a little bit younger, I think it would have affected me more. I mean, uh, straight off the bat, our band name has a likeness to the uh, virus, which was it just added a whole new level of strangeness on on. On the, on the mad situation that started. But I think because I in the last few years, I've just become a bit more secure. I think the Kroners are lucky. We've, we've got a, such a loyal fan base and, and we've been around for a good while that I knew that we'd be able to weather the storm. And as long as gigs came back eventually, which fingers crossed they will, mm. I'm confident enough that we will that we'll get through it. And if not, I don't know. I suppose I'm just at a stage where I'm just like trying not to think too far into the future. And I think that's my key is not trying to let myself worry by not thinking too far ahead, you know. Yeah, I think the staying in the here and now can certainly help, can't it? 100%, yeah. And, and like, that's what I said. A younger version of myself would have been so worried about the future and anxious, or oh, what's this going to do? What mm. negative effect is going to have on us? But, um, I mean, all you can do is take it as it comes. And as I say, like, be grateful when it comes back, you know, and appreciate yeah. it when, when it comes back. And, and try and keep busy. And, we've you know, we've been doing best we can we release an album anyway we're promoting this stream gig that we're doing now next month and lots of things like that just just keeping keeping in people's minds i suppose so that when gigs do come back they, they'll still want to come see you, you know yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm sure they will man i'm sure they will <laughs> i actually i actually loved the uh, marketing idea that she did with the release of the new album heading around the country in an ice cream van yeah it went great it who, was so good who came up with that idea I'd love to take the credit myself, but it was our manager, Jim, had had well, he was the brains behind the operation. But yeah, I mean, usually, you know yourself, we would be doing so much radio promo and gigs and small gigs and in-stores and signings. And we always do signings for albums. And we wanted to get the album out there. We wanted to spread the word. And it was the perfect way to do it. And, and we did it just to muster up a bit of promo. But the crowds we got were great. And people were genuinely like coming up to me and going you know what there's been no events no gigs just even having something going on this afternoon is cool like and we were all following the restrictions and taking social distance photos and you know all that sort of stuff but people just appreciated that something was happening and we signed a few albums and took a few social distance selfies and gave out some free ice cream and, and people were buzzing off it you know so we we got a kick off it as well it, it was really great fun to you know see you know the thing about it gigging in ireland as well is he you see the same faces at the front row all the time. So you sort of get to know them and you'd say, oh, how are you getting on? And so it's nice to see people that we hadn't seen in ages as well as we went around the country. So it went really well and it helped us get our number one, which was uh, the main thing, I suppose. And of course, she gave out ice cream. I mean, killer. <laughs> oh, you c- couldn't lose. That was Murphy's. I'd love to take credit for that as well. But Murphy's, Murphy's of Dingle gave us uh, 
these little mini tubs to, to, to hand out as little testers and it's delicious, great ice cream. So <laughs> yeah, it worked really, really well. So it was, uh, it was a bit of promo for them as well. You know? I'm a little bit disappointed. I kind of thought you'd have got yourself handy at how to pour a 99 into a cone. <laughs> well, it's funny because initially when we had the idea, we were like, okay, we'll all have to do a bit of training now and get this right. But then with COVID and cleanliness, we was like, that's not going to work, lads. Yeah. And we want to keep them going. So they gave us these little mini tubs that had our album cover on the top. Oh, and, deadly. You know, so it was perfect. So they're branded like, and we saw we were just handing them out. It was, it was it was a lot safer, I think, than us trying to pull 99s. Yeah, I've tried it and failed miserably. There's actually a knack to it. There's a I'd knack to it. I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay, so I invited you to come on the four play podcast for this episode and to talk about the four songs that you've written that are most personal to you. Now, the first song that you've chosen, Danny, is the title track off your debut album. It's the uh, very beautiful Heroes and Ghosts. And why did you pick this song? I don't know. I still think to this day it's probably one of the best songs I've ever written. It was definitely a, a turning point for the band. I suppose I think it made sense when I was thinking about what songs to pick. I wanted to pick one song that was really early, it reminded me of early Cronus, and then one song that was in the middle. Like, and pick four songs along our, our journey. Like, and mm. I think it would have been silly to ignore this song and, and the impact it had on me. And, and it is a very personal song as well. Like, I, I would say, like, all, all I like to think that I'm a personal songwriter, and, and all my songs are, are, well, my lyrics are, are like quite genuine. I tend to write. Mm you know, quite honestly, sometimes too honestly, but, uh, and, you know, wear my heart, my sleeve a, a lot of times. And, and here's a ghost is, is a case in point in that. And it, you know, initially it, it came from, uh, a battle of the bands that we did in UCD. And I thought we were great at the time. And we came, we came third out of six bands and, uh, I was devastated. And, and our manager said to me after he said, uh, that's just one man's mood. Like, you know, he wasn't in the mood and, it, it you know it doesn't matter like he he might not have been into it but we know that we're doing some good stuff and things are starting to move like so uh let's just forget that and move on and it sort of was like, I was like yeah all right fair enough and I sort of went and wrote the lyrics then you know okay okay and what year was it that you wrote that Danny was that when you were still I'd called say, Corona no I I, th- I do think we were cor- the Coronas but I'd say I mean the album came out in 2007 I say I wrote that in 2006 okay um. So, yeah, like just my final year in, in college in, in UCD and we were we were a band that were, were trying to make it. And and I could tell that we had a bunch of songs that were good and that we were starting, you know, initially when you start a band, you, you have your mates coming to the shows and then you have mates of mates. And then we were getting to the stage where, oh, my God, I don't recognize anyone in the front row now. These are strangers like, you know, yeah. and that was when I sort of, we were all sort of looking at each other going, all right, maybe the lads, we should take this a bit more seriously. Maybe this isn't a hobby. Maybe we're onto something here. And, and that's sort of what the whole song is about. You know, oftentimes people go, oh, that's a lovely love song, but it isn't really. It's a song about us trying to be the best band we can be. And, you know, to be honest, I could have picked four or five, what am I saying? 10 or 20 Corona songs that have that theme, you know, and when I was in school, I used to love Heaney. Heaney used to write poems about writing poetry poems about poetry and trying to be that that thing when when you feel inspired and you're trying to find that little spark that gets you to write write something that sort of comes down separate to you and you're just sort of the vessel that gets it out and I often find myself writing songs about songwriting yeah and here's a ghost is is one of them it's about us trying to be 
the best band we can be and, and, and feeling that something is starting to happen and feeling, all right, we're onto something here. Let's go with this. This is great. Like, you know, and letting that emotion sort of lift you and go, that's okay to say we're doing okay. That's all right. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's really the story behind it. I went back through the annals because as you know, I work for a radio station here in Cork, 96 FM. And the first time I ever saw you guys live, you came in here and you played a gig downstairs in our big room for a load of our listeners. It was back in 2009. So this is the version of that song from back then. Cynical and while I'm here, who are the rock? They can't do something, it's Belair. she took you to the wrong, she took you to the wrong, Slayer, Slayer, Tom, the lucky she alone. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, 
Yep, 11 years ago. How does it feel when you hear stuff from way, way back? It's weird. It's, it's a bit strange. I think my voice sounds different. Um, just over time, it just, just changes slightly. Uh, yeah, it's funny. That was a long version as well. I'd say we hadn't got as many songs back then, so we were like, we do three whole verses, Irish and two English. Now if I do it, I do one Irish, one English, and, and leave it at that. That's about a five-minute version of that song, but I uh, know it's cool. It's yeah. nice to hear the reaction after it. I remember that gig downstairs in 96. It was fun. Leeside is kind of like a second home to you guys, isn't it? Like, we were always welcomed so much. Like, I remember going to play in, in Cypress Avenue and and expecting, like, you know, almost a cold welcome, this this Dublin band coming down. But, like, you know, we're, we're, we someone told me that we sell more tickets and CDs, you know, in Cork than we do in Dublin per, per population, like, you know. Yeah. Um, and we, but we always, we, saw, we have always felt so welcome. And then a bit like us in the Olympia here at Christmas, like our gigs in the marquee have become something that is different to just people coming to see us. It's like the Coronas the marquee is, is a night out that's separate to just seeing the Coronas somewhere. It's a night out in itself. Like it's, we've been doing it every year and they've sort of become, yeah, they've taken on new meaning. They've become a, a separate entity altogether. So yeah, um, yeah, we've always been welcomed so much in Cork, and and we we always have so much fun there. And this, yeah, the marquee gigs too for me are, are quite special because it's uh, like I my my youngest daughter lives up in Dublin and my eldest daughter lives down here with me. But it's 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 the night of the year where the three of us always get together. Um, and we go down to see you guys in the marquee and, Absolutely. you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a family night for us, but a family night where we kind of, because of the age difference, obviously we, we probably yeah. don't always appreciate the same music where yeah. <laughs> this is the one night where we all do, we're all on the same uh, wavelength. That's great. That's cool. I love, yeah, and, and you know what, in that song, uh, one of my favorite lyrics from it and, uh, I've always loved it is this so don't grow old forgetting who you are a simple goal could get you very far I just think that's such a belief in oneself absolutely absolutely and just focusing on one thing and it's uh, yeah I, and so that that was that was in Dave's verse I, that was I couldn't argue with that could I it's like that's that's perfect you know so um, he, he, he hit the nail on the head there yeah so so that was it, and that, and that was what we were trying to do from then on. It's like, all right, well, let's just control what we can control and make make our goals and objectives and ambitions. Let's not aim to take over the world overnight. Let's just go, let's write a, a good song. Let's write a good album. Let's take it one gig at a time. Yeah. And that became our, our sort of, our, our, our sort of, yeah, like our, our, our Your main mantra. aim. Like yeah. Our, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we... Back in those days, we would play five gigs in a weekend, no bother. Like, or we would go into UCC and play in in their canteen at lunchtime, and people would just be eating their dinner, and we'd be doing a little acoustic gig, and then we do UCC radio. There's probably three people listening to that, <laughs> and then we go up and do a sound check and play in the old oak downstairs, and then but the next night we were supporting someone somewhere else, and it would like we would just work we had this work ethic from the early stages mm. i'm not even sure where it came from we were just like i think we we felt lucky to be doing that all of our 
we had finished our last year in university in 2006 and all our other mates were either going working or going to do a master's or whatever. And we were just like, well, we don't have to work. Let's just gig all the time. And at yeah. least then we can say we're busy, yeah. even if, you know, there's no one listening or no one there. And it, but it was good for us and it gave us a really good work ethic, as I say, you know. What would you have done? I mean, you, you alluded there to the fact that you were in, in UCD. So why were you studying in UCD? What was the plan B? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I studied commerce. I got a degree in commerce in okay. UCD. Um, but there wasn't really a plan B, I don't think. I think I'd studied commerce because it was broad and it was business and it was just a bit of everything and I was just trying to leave the door open, you know. But I think I knew deep down I always wanted to do something in music. Mm. Um, so if, if, it hadn't, if it hadn't been in a band, I'd say, like, I always loved radio. Uh, like, I mean, I'd be looking for your job. Uh, but, <laughs> Hang on, why don't we swap? <laughs> yeah. Well, if I could take any job in the world now, I'd go for a professional golfer because I think they have a great life. Yeah. Um, or maybe a premiership footballer. But So I don't know, I didn't really have any plan B. I knew I wanted to do something in music, whether it was songwriting or production or just playing the band or, or whatever it was. But definitely I think I knew deep down that I wanted to write songs and sing my songs. So, you know, I think I was maybe afraid to admit it when I was in, in college, like, and... Mm studying away at commerce but I knew I, I remember one time in final year when someone came in from Smurfit you know where you go on to do your, your masters if you want and they were talking about doing a marketing masters and I was like nah I've had enough of this college thing now I'm getting this degree and I'm out like you know yeah. and I'm glad I did you know I, I, but I'm glad I finished it out as well because the band started to take off when we were a little bit when we were in final year in UCD and for our parents sake I think more than anything but also for ourselves we said let's finish it out yeah. We've gone three and a half years of college. Like it would be silly to, to, to quit now. So we finished out the year and, and got our degrees. And, but isn't yeah. that isn't isn't that a good thing though? You know, to finish something out because although you were starting something new with the music, the fact that you'd finished this meant that as a band, well, we say for yourself as a songwriter yeah. and as a musician, you would always then see things through. Because sometimes when people start things and don't finish them, their life becomes a series of not finishing stuff. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, definitely. And also, it's something to be proud of. I, like you asked me there, what did you study? And I was proud to say I have a degree in commerce, yeah. even though I, I haven't really needed it. I'm sure it's helped me along the way in, in band decisions and, and, you know, with our manager in the business side. Now we have our own record label, so it's definitely helped us, yeah. you know. So, but it, I, I was always proud of it. There, you know, did you go to college? Yeah, I have a degree in commerce. Like, oh, you always get that reaction. And it's something that I didn't really realize at the time. But I think now, if I was having this conversation, I said, "Well, actually, I dropped out in third year. Man was going well. Like I'd be, like I'd be, I'd always have a regret that I didn't yeah. finish it out. So, yeah, definitely, you're right. Though it, it definitely helped me discipline. That was the other thing. I actually always go back to because I I played Gaelic football for for Dublin uh, in 2003. Did you under 18? Yeah. Oh, so right. I played minor, and 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 that was another thing that I always thought was good because when I finished the leaving cert, all my mates were going off partying. The, the six year holiday and drinking, <laughs> going to, yeah that type of thing going to discos and all but I was training five times a week and I had the discipline of no I'm not drinking I'm going to look after what I eat and you know I've committed to this summer to play for Dublin and we got to an All-Ireland final and we won Leinster we got to an All-Ireland final we beat Cork actually in the semi-final uh, lucky the, day that was just a lucky one exactly and, <laughs> and one of the O'Halpians was playing Isaki O'Halpian was playing okay. but uh, we we um, we, we got beaten in the final by Leash, but like uh, it was such a great year and I still have friends from that team, but that, that was like, 
really good for my discipline as well mm. to realize i think that helped my work ethic when it came to music i was all in like you know yeah. what i mean and same with the football that summer i didn't really play that much music because i was all in the football you know so i think that was good for me for my mental health as well absolutely so, because you know what people have this conception that musicians basically are just lazy dropouts who just happen yeah. to be talented at this and from my little excursion in playing music and then when i managed bands it's serious, serious hard work that people don't see. People just see you dragging the gear in on a Saturday night to play in a pub. They don't see the five nights that you were with your mates in a band room, rehearsing, getting your show together, even the effort that goes into writing a song and creating, because that's ultimately what you're doing. You're on a creative journey. A hundred percent. And like people often ask me, like my mother obviously is a singer, Mary Black, and, and People always ask me, "What was the? Did she give you any advice or anything?" And the best piece of advice she gave me when I was really young, when I she sort of got a sense that I wanted to get into the industry, was, "Danny, just to let you know, there is hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that are really, really talented that don't make it, that have an amazing amount of talent, and that are brilliant at what they do, and for whatever reason they don't make it." So you just have to remember that and go in remembering that. And so you need a bit of luck for a start. And that song mentions it. It's going to take a lot of time and a little bit of luck. But you're going to need a little bit of luck. But when you do get that little bit of luck, you get a little break, you need to be ready to work. And and that was something that really stuck with me. And that was probably the most important advice she gave me was it, like whether I make it or not isn't that doesn't mean I'm talented or not you know what I mean or whatever make it means but you know whether I get to make a career out of it doesn't necessarily correlate with how talented you are there's so much that goes into it hard work but also luck timing what other bands breaks along the way there's so much else like that you can't control so you have to just work hard and I hope that when you get that little piece of luck you're ready to go and and you make the most of it yeah and I guess finishing your degree in commerce you know committing to playing for the Dublin Miners that showed that you had the work ethic. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, uh, and I always had it. And I saw, like, my, uh, probably again, I'm at home, like my mom was, had to leave us at home and I could see that it was really upsetting her. She would go off and tour, but it just had to be done. And, and maybe that was somewhat ingrained in me as well. Like, you know, that, you know, I had to, the work had to be go, done. She had to go and do it. And, mm. and even if it meant leaving her kids, like, you know, and going on the road for six weeks, whatever it was at the time, she'd always try and not make it too long. But, she toured a lot when we were younger, like you know. Was that hard growing up? You know, when you because you know when you're young, your mum is your 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 world, your everything. As is your dad. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. was was that hard? You know, your mum being away for was. so I, I, often. I think it was. It was hard for her, definitely, because she didn't want to leave. And and she even said to me recently that there was a couple of times where she she thought about just oh, I'm not going to tour anymore. I just I just I, I don't leave you, like you know. Mm. And and it was definitely hard for us. Like we used to. She'd come back from tour and. And she'd be like, how are you doing? And initially we would be like, hey, ma'am, and we'll hug her and all. And I remember the feeling. She told me about this recently as well. She was like, but then after a little while, we would be mean to her. Like, because it was a bit like, who do you think you are sauntering back into our lives when it suits you? Like, where have you been for the last six weeks? You know, and and I feel bad that we were like that. But we were just kids. We didn't really understand what we were doing. And. You know, and she'd be trying to be nice. She'd be like, how's the football going? And I'd be like, oh, man, the football finished last week. Like, you don't know anything. Like, you know, that sort of way. And and I do remember the feeling of sort of being like, I don't know, like subconsciously she's picking her career 
ahead of us, but she wasn't. She was doing it for us. Like we got we got an amazing upbringing. We got to go on holidays. We got instruments to play, football boots, play football, and and that was all because she worked so hard. Like that was you know, her and, job. And that brought, was her job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was her job, and and she, and she got to bring us great places to see her perform as well. So. Um, Were you always proud of her? You know, you know, you know. When you're little, like I remember being little, and you'd be somewhere, and my dad would start singing, and I'd be like, "Oh God!" Now your your mother, you know, your mother is who she is, and she's amazing. But you're her child. Was there ever a time when you'd have seen her perform, and you'd be nearly morto, or were you always just a novice? No, definitely. When I was younger, I had no interest. I I wouldn't say I was morto. I was just like no interest. Like I only cared about Oasis. Like, and I didn't (laughs) didn't have any. You know, it's like, yeah, what she does, whatever. It's Irish, like, it's not Radiohead, it's not Oasis. Like, and yeah. it was only when I got probably when I, until when I started playing a bit more, even though the the genres of music are completely different. But when I started playing a bit more, I I I started to have a lot more respect for what she did, how good she was, how good she was with the crowd, how comfortable she was on stage. Mm. Like, I'd be watching her. And like I'd be 18 years of age and she'd have the whole crowd in stitches. Like she's a very good storyteller, like in between songs. And I'd be laughing as well. And I'd be going, I can't be laughing at my mom's joke. Like I'm 18. <laughs> but she was, she, was, she was hilarious. She still is. She's brilliant. Brilliant to that in between song stuff. And I definitely picked up some of those things as well. Just how comfortable she was and, you know, and herself she was on stage as well. And, that sort of made it funnier and she'd be like, you know, just being herself or Dublin mammy, like, you know, yeah. and, and uh, so people appreciated that. So I, I definitely think I probably even, you know, subconsciously picked up a lot of that stuff. Okay. Now we'll go on to your second song that you've picked uh, this cool. evening. It's from the album, The Long Way from 2014. And the song is called What A Love. Yeah. Well, fully enough, we're talking about my mom and dad, like the song, I knew I wanted to pick a song from the Long Way album. It was an album that sort of kicked us on a bit. We had had a good bit of success with our first three albums, but uh, the Long Way came out and we got signed to a label in, in the UK and it was probably our biggest album here in Ireland. And we, we moved up a gear from playing, you know, in like the Opera House and the Olympia to like Marquis sold out and Three Arena in Dublin. Like it really went up a gear. So it, as I say, we signed to Ireland, we moved to London. It was all sort of going well. And so I wanted to pick a song off this album and I decided, you know, this is probably one of the most personal songs on it. And it was a song I actually wrote about my parents, really, and, okay. and their and their relationship. And also Noxie, our bass player, and, and his wife, Aoife. It's really about those two couples, you know. And and it's it's a song about being envious, looking at your, your friends or, or your parents and sort of being envious of what they have, but also happy for them. Like, it's not jealous. So I'd say it's just like, oh, that's so cool. I'd love to have that, like, you know. And, and you know, my parents have been through a lot. And, and I, I think as I got older, I realized, and I moved out. I think that that often happens when you moved out of home. You realize how great people they are. You sort of become friends with them as opposed to, you know, as opposed to that maternal whatever relationship, you know. So it was... Uh, what I love is, is really about that, about how you're happy for your friends. that They've found it. They found the one and that's what it should be. And that looks great. And yeah. I hope that happens for me. You know? Yeah, because I kind of have that, I suppose, too. My parents, they're like my dad's 81 now. My mother's 77 and they're nearly 60 years married, you know. That's and amazing. oh, it's very hard to see that these days, I have to admit. Yeah. But my relationship certainly changed with them first when I became a dad. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, with, my, right. with my two girls. And and I kind of 
for me, I got, I got a lot of respect for them because you know when you're growing up and you, you're, you're kind of like, oh God, they're wrecking my head, they're doing this, they're doing that. And then when you become a parent yourself and you kind of look at life in a different perspective, you kind of look at them and go, wow, I'm actually, these people are unreal. And then uh, three years ago, my eldest daughter had a, had a baby, so I became a granddad. So then suddenly I had this whole different level with them because now they became great grandparents. And it was like, wow. And and I loved the lines in the song. I still dream. I've waited years. That's just me. I wouldn't change it. No, I couldn't change it. Though my envy tries and tries and tries. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. In In a nutshell, it's just like, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, I've had a great life, but it, you look at that and like you're saying about your parents and you go, well, and my parents, they seem to get happier the older they get, which is great because you always think, you know, oh my God, like that old age is almost like a, a scary thing. Like, you know, but mm-hmm. my parents are as happy now as they've ever been. And I can see that, you know, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely that they're, they're, they're uh, a love to aspire to, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same. It's funny, actually, it was my parents, it was their 46th wedding anniversary or something. And I remember writing this card to them and I was like, to mum and dad, happy 46th wedding anniversary. Let's put this in perspective. You're 46 years married. I'm 43 and I've been married twice. (laughs) And And now I'm single. So, yeah, it's kind of. You look at it and it's like, wow, you take your hat off to them. And it kind of the older you get, I think you, you, you admire, you, yeah, appreciate, that's the word. You appreciate everything about them a little bit more because you know what? They're not always going to be here. So I know there'll come a time when they're not and we will have these regrets of maybe I should have done more. So I think it's the older you get, you realize that and you do as much with them as you possibly can. 100%. 100 I'm as close to them as ever. Yeah. Yeah. Will we have a listen to the chat? Sure. Okay, so you're listening to the Four Play Music Podcast with me, Pierce McCarthy. Danny O'Reilly from the Coronas is my guest in this episode. This is the second song that he's chosen. It's called What a Love. Before they speak Well I'm not used to it I'm not used to it I'll take it back And who knows At least we tried I suppose If you could be here If you could be here Don't speak like that
I'm not used to it. I'm not used to it. I'll take it back. end to that song it's just a tune and it takes the energy all the way and I guess it kind of it's like the love isn't it that your parents have it's just beautiful yeah thanks very much yeah it's funny listening back to it there it's it's, uh it's it still sounds great yeah it's one of those things the funny thing about it as well when I initially wrote it I didn't write that big middle eight the loud bit after the second chorus and I played it for my mom and she was like it needs, it need, I had a different little bit and she's like, it needs a better middle eight. And I was like, oh, I was like, I'll show her. And I went off and rode the big long middle eight and she was right though, you know. So it, it's good having people around you like that that they trust as well. She was like, it's lovely, but it needs a bit of better middle eight. And she was dead right. And I went and rode a better middle eight. Yeah, and, and that's the bit, she, she's just the kind that gets you safe, someone to share the pain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, but that is true love, isn't it? I mean, your true life partner will be that person, you know, they'll be with the guts to tell you straight when things are not okay. Because so many people will tell you what you want to hear, but the ones that yeah. love you will tell you what you need to hear. Exactly, exactly. You yeah, know? That, that, that's exactly it. You know, you know, finding that person that, that you can go through the bad stuff with and they can be honest with you and you can be honest with them and all of those things put together, you know. So, yeah, I remember just thinking about it when I was writing this, going... I don't think I, this album needs another love song. It had a couple of love songs on it, but it, a lot of the songs have been about either the relationship that I was going through or the band, as I say, or the songs or whatever we were going through and friendships and stuff, but it was all about me. And then I was like, well, why don't I just write it about something else, like someone else or something else that I'm looking for? Yeah. And so it was probably the last song we wrote for that album. And it came together right at the end. But yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, it's a fun one to play live as well. As you say, with that big loud outro as well, it's still at the moment. Well, we haven't done much gigging this year, but the last, last tour, it was the last song of the set and uh, it yeah. just works really well. The crowd sing it back and that whole thing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice part of the, a part of the, a part of the set. Yeah. And what I wanted to know is when you guys, you know, when you, you, you know, you've written a whole series of songs, your album's ready to go. How do you decide what the album is going to be called? Now, some bands, it'll be, they'll have a song on the album that becomes the title track. Others just pick something random that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. But how do you decide? How do you as a band decide that? It's different for different albums. Sometimes, sometimes it comes easily. Like I think with this one, True Love Waits, we knew the True Love Waits was going to be the first song on the, on the album. And we just liked the, the, the name. It just sounded like it has a bit of positivity in it. Like okay. it is like you're getting somewhere. And it's also, I don't know, it just, it just seemed to fit for the body of work we had. And, but then there's been other albums where we literally, I remember our second album, Tony Was Next Con, 
we could not think of a, of a title for that album for so long. And it was actually Aoife Noxie's wife who says, name it, that, name it the most random song on the album. And the most random song on the album was called Tony Was an Ex-Con, about this crazy bus driver that we had that nearly killed us. <laughs> and, uh, and so we just said, all right, just name it after that. It's, it's different at least. You know, it'll be like, what the hell is that album called? Like, so, yeah, sometimes it, it's and like then Close to You, that was a song on, on the third album. And we knew early on that's a nice name for an album it just sort of worked like at the time and yeah so sometimes it comes together quick and then other times it's like i remember with trust the wire as well our second most recent album we struggled for ages we couldn't we were literally like on the, at the 11th hour getting out all the lyrics of all the songs going what can we call the album like you know yeah. none of the song titles suited it and then trust the wire itself was just a lyric in one of the songs that that we thought suited it so it, it can be different different times now, you were living in London at the time when that album came out, right? So what was it like having made the move from home to, to London town? It was great. It was really good for us. As I said, we got to the stage in Ireland where we were playing in big venues and we knew a bit like what I was saying earlier on about going and committing to something. We needed, we needed the next step. We needed to go and work and do something. And we moved to London, signed to a big major record label, and we all thought, we thought this is it. We're gonna, it's going to go global. Yeah. And like when we became one of the one of the statistics where the, the we got dropped by the label, it didn't work out with Island Records. And I was really, really devastated, you know, and and, the, you know, I think the long way that What a Love was on, you know, that that I thought that was a really strong album it was probably our most successful album here in Ireland. And I, well, I was really di- disappointed. I said with, with the Cronos, there's always baby steps forward and. That was our first knock, I think, when we got dropped by Ireland after after that album. Obviously, when a record company comes in, right, they're schmoozing you and they're, they're saying all the right things to you guys, right? Had you any inkling it was coming, that you were about to become a statistic? Towards, towards the end, we did. You realise once they stop, they stop answering emails straight away and, ah. and, you know, the meetings went from being once every two weeks to once every two months and you're just going, hmm. And so the idea, they... they Pitched, the main single off that album was a song called Just Like That and they pitched that to Radio 1 and we had a big promo plan and all and then when Radio 1 didn't take it up in, in the UK uh, the brakes just came up and they were all of a sudden they weren't there anymore and it was just like uh oh so we sort of saw the writing on the wall a little bit but like in my mind it was still a success over there it got played on XFM and lots of different regional stations and we when we signed to Ireland, we tried to explain to them that we weren't an overnight success in Ireland. Like we built it up through the live scene, and we were a band that built it up through playing in colleges and getting out in front of people, playing live. And we never had, even though San Diego song of the first album was a bit was a radio hit, but it was never an overnight thing for us. So mm. we were trying, and, and we thought they signed us off the back of that. But as soon as just like that didn't get played, they they were like, no, it was radio silence. So. We sort of saw the writing on the wall a little bit, but at the same time, it still hit me. Like, I mean, and that's the reason that I picked We Couldn't Fake It is because it is the the next album, the the uh, Trust the Wire album, was probably the toughest album for me to write. Um, it was the first time, as I said, we'd taken a knock. We'd come back from London after living there for three years and moving back to Ireland and... I was just, I, it was the closest I've ever had to writer's block, I suppose. I, w- I wouldn't say I had writer's block, but what happened was I was, I was writing lots, but I, w- I was just 
too self-critical. Like I'd write a little something and I'd go, no, it's crap, and throw it out. And was that because of the one. knockback that Island Records had yeah. given you? Yeah? I think my, my confidence had taken a hit for mm. sure. And I never had a problem with that. I used to write a song in an afternoon and if someone didn't like it, I'd go, yeah, so what? Like, you mm. know. Whereas after getting dropped by Island, I definitely had a knock. And the songs weren't coming as easy for Trust the Wire. And it was, it was definitely a tough time. And I was sat down, I remember sitting down one day and going, all right, what am I going to do? Like, I remember like, and I, I, we were touring an awful lot after the long way went really well. And I don't tend to write on tour. So it was sort of starting to weigh on me. It's like, when we get home, I need to write the next album because we need to start recording and we need to start doing it. And I've only written two songs for the next album. And it's like weighing on me a bit, you know? Mm. And, uh, so I remember getting back and, and, and being here in Dublin and just thinking about what am I going to write about? Like, I don't want to just write about the same things I've written about before. And I had all this sort of stuff going through about the label in the UK and everything that had happened. And I was like, that's the only thing I can write about. It's right there in front of me. The stuff that is worrying me, the thing that is making me anxious, the thing that is making me not being able to write and the thing that is making me doubt myself, that is what I have to write about. And that's yeah. what We Couldn't Fake It is about. It's about reminding ourselves of why we do what we love doing, doing it for the right reasons, not like, like the stuff in Here's a Ghost, one man's mood can make it another man's soul. It's a little bit similar. We couldn't fake it. It's like they're leaving, you know, or I'm screaming on stage, but they're already leaving and I'm mad at myself. I almost believe them. Like, so I almost believe that the bullshit of, of the labels in the UK and what they were telling us was going to happen. And I sort of bought into it, even though, we had our eyes open when we signed to Ireland. We had three albums in. We knew the, yeah. the the sad stories, but we still bought into it. And we were like, oh, you never know. And listen, I don't regret rolling the dice with Ireland. I would do it again, you know, but at the same time, it still took it took a lot out of me. And coming back, I was definitely low. The lines actually that, that, that stood out to me yeah. from that was, and now it looks over before it begins. I throw you over my shoulder. Yeah, we go again because we're focusing. Yeah, we're focusing. And it's kind of like we just got kicked in the stones. But I imagine because you see that bond that's there with you, it was like, right, let's yeah, just pull our stuff together and let's refocus. And it's that thing. It goes back to what you said, the training, making the commitment to training five nights a week with Dublin when all your pals were off yeah. doing the other stuff. And also with regards to finishing college. Do you know, yeah, stuff like 100%. that. And, and, and that's it. That's literally what that second verse was, was, was about. Because I remember us coming back and going, all right, we go again. Like, it was actually that we go again was robbed from when Robbie Brady scored the goal against Italy in, in the Euros that's in right. 2016 to get us through. And he got interviewed after and he's nearly crying. He's so happy, like, but he's like, no, we go again. We go again, talking about the next the next game. like, And I was just like, that's great. So that was the finishing off line of that first. But that was it, throw you over my shoulder. Like, I'm talking about the, the other bandmates there. Yeah. I'm like, come on, lads. I'm going to lead us through it. Like, Because as lead singer, I feel like the captain of the ship, you know? Okay. like, And I, I always, I don't feel like their value is exactly equal to mine. It is, it is I mean, I do feel their value is ex exactly equal to mine. I don't feel like I have more value than them. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I feel like I need to steer the ship sort of, especially in songwriting. So sometimes I'll say long lines like that where I'm like, come on, lads, let's do this. Like, you know, we, we've got it. we got to work hard. And, and the lead um, singer too, I guess, part of that gig, you know, pe people think, you know, they think, oh, the lead singer is so glamorous. But sometimes when you're the lead singer, you're the one that everybody turns to and looks. And when, you know, when people say the Corona is the first name that'll come out is Danny. 
No disrespect yeah. to the other guys, but it's the same with yeah. Bono, with you 2 or Christy yeah, Dignam with yeah. Aslan. But I guess it shows the tightness of the band because good band members will realise, yeah, we're just as valued. He's just got that crap job of always being in the, <laughs> in the you know, in yeah, the headlines. There's, there's pros and cons to yeah. it, for sure. Like, there's times where, like, I ask the lads now, I was like, sometimes, you know, we'd be leaving a gig and there'd be people stopping me for selfies and they won't be stopping the rest <laughs> of the band. And I'd be saying to the lads, oh, sorry about that, lads. And they're like, we're fucking delighted. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, you're grand, you can do the selfies, we'll nip off here and have a quiet pint and yeah. we won't be disturbed, like, you know, so there's pros and cons to it. But um, definitely I felt that time that I was, like, almost letting them down that I hadn't written some serious okay. tunes, like, and, and we couldn't fake it on another song on that album, Give Me A Minute, which became the, another big singer, where songs that came towards the very end. And it really made that album a lot stronger, those two singles. And they came right at right at the end, and it was it was definitely a relief when they came in a way. Mm. But since then, I've I haven't had that same same sort of yeah writer's block or whatever self criticism voice. I've tried to be aware of it and 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 just being like not let it get to me. But uh, that was definitely one that I pulled out of the bag at the eleventh hour. Like I got the song, we couldn't fake it. Thank God! And the lads were like, "This is cool. This is great. This is." And it ended up being the first single on the album. Okay, well, we have a listen to it, so. Sure. Okay, so you're listening to the 4Play Music Podcast. Danny O'Reilly from The Coronas is my guest on this episode. And this is the third song that he's chosen. It's from the album Trust the Wire. It's the very brilliant We Couldn't Fake It. Covered in water They left me for dead She's somebody's daughter Somebody's friend Would you notice me? Oh Would you notice me? Oh And the screaming But you're already leaving And I'm out of myself Yeah, almost believe them Don't let me waste your time Shoulder, you 
Cause we heard it all before And we never liked that Leave alone, we don't need to change your minds Cause we don't change it When listening to that song uh, last night, because what I do when I'm when I'm doing when I'm researching for an, an episode of the podcast, I kind of immerse myself in the person, right? So I immersed myself in these these four songs that you picked uh, over the last kind of forty eight hours, and I really got that vibe. The very end, we couldn't fake that. We couldn't fake that. It's like the four band members standing together and going, "You ain't going to get the better of us. We are who we are, and we're going to still keep going regardless of of what's gone on." I just felt yeah. like a unity. Yeah, hundred percent. And even like then, there's like the background vocals are saying, "Let them all ignore us." I feel, I feel it. Do you feel it? We know what's more important. I feel it. Do you feel it? And like that's that's the backing vocals. That's what Dave is singing back to me. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, listening back to it, I'm like listening to the lyrics. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like it really was quite a personal lyric in a lot of ways. Um, but it really said what I wanted to say. Like there was another line that jumped out to me there. Yeah, take something from it, even even if you you got to take some of the blame. So that was me, like sort of looking back at everything that happened with Island Records and us getting dropped. And yeah, it would have been easy for me to just go, oh, Island didn't do this, yeah. Island didn't do that. But it, that it wasn't really about that. Even if maybe it was our fault, maybe we didn't write good enough songs, maybe the album wasn't good enough, maybe you know, something happened and that's okay too, yeah. you know, and it, so take something from it, even if you have to take some of the blame, just take something from it. I kind of thought that was a very mature line actually when I heard it as well, because, you know, when something initially happens, you blame, 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 but then as yeah. you kind of calm down and you kind of see the wood from the trees, it's always a bit a little give and take and, and in that it's kind of going, okay, well, you know what, it wasn't all your fault. We, we had a part to play as well. Didn't mean that you weren't good. It's just that you weren't for them. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that was it. And there was definitely, that was a song that was really cathartic for me, I think, just just get, putting that chapter behind us of the whole thing that happened with Ireland and and just being like, you know, giving us a new lease of life. Like, re, again, like reminding myself of why we do what we do, mm. why we love it, like, yeah. you know, and, and just, I, I think I got caught up a little bit in London about the whole thing behind the scenes of, radio play and the industry and, sh- and as you say schmoozing and all that sort of yeah. stuff and and I realized that's not good for me for my mental health as a person like yeah. I just I'm better off I don't worry about that stuff let someone else worry about it as long as I can just write my songs and perform to whatever amount of people I'll be better at that if yeah. I don't have to worry about the other things I can imagine all that can be quite taxing on the brain can it yeah, I think if you get caught up in it, it can be. And then you can start overthinking things and, and writing songs that you think are cool at the time. And this is getting this type of song is getting played on the radio at the moment. And, and, and it's not genuine. It becomes contrived. And we were never like that. I was always, as I say, an honest writer about I just write whatever felt good to me. And 
not overthinking things was always key to my songwriting. I think mm. I got to the stage where, yeah, it was becoming taxing on me. And, and as I say, that was sort of another eureka moment. There's another reason I picked that song. I remember just writing it upstairs here in Dublin and just being like, yeah, that's okay. That's a chorus. And that's got the, the things that need, the things that make Danny's songs sometimes work. Yeah. A nice lyric and a nice melody in the chorus. And yeah, that, that'll work. Like, you know, and I was just like, it came together very quickly after months of nothing, you know, and, yeah. and it, as I say, it was towards the end of the album cycle and just sort of a couple of songs later, the album was ready to go, you know. As a songwriter, you know, different songwriters have different styles. One of my favourite songwriters is Chris Martin from Coldplay and oh, yeah. he kind of tends to write in the middle of the night and it just comes to him. Like he kind of feels he's this vessel and mm. and the lyrics just come. What kind of a style of a songwriter are you? Are you do you write the music first and then the lyrics come? Do you do it both together? Can it happen any time during the day? Does it just come to you? Yeah, I would say I'm I'm more like that. I like as you say, like Chris Martin. It would be late at night for the, for the most part, and it would be me sitting at a piano or a guitar, and a line just comes out of somewhere and a little melody, and that the song comes out of that line. You yeah. know what I mean? I was like, why did I sing that line? Jesus, I wasn't even thinking that, but it just sort of fits the music, and then that's that line will lead me in in the, in the, in that direction, which is strange. And I remember that with with the last song we're go, we're going to play, "Cold" for the new album, that was one that I was just sitting down the piano in Kerry, and it was just like I was feeling a little bit low, and I was just like, "I'm cold, but I will not show. I'm not going to tell anyone." I'm too proud and the night won't allow. And that was just just a little verse that came together just pretty much straight away. And I was like, wow, what where what is that? Like where what I didn't even know that I wasn't feeling cold or was feeling cold. Like it was one of them that just sort of came to me and I was like, All right, this sort of sounds cool. Um and I finished off the lyrics and it was just it was sort of I had gone through a bit of a breakup. So there was sort of that was the reason I wasn't feeling well. I sort of investigated why I wasn't feeling great. Yeah. And the song sort of wrote itself from that. But in answer to your question, sometimes it can be lyrics first. Sometimes it can be music first. Sometimes it can be walking down the street. I have a little idea for a melody or there's a song that I had been working on and it comes back to me and I listen to an old voice memo of a song and I go, oh, that, that line should be there and I'll scribble it down. But, uh, or it can be the, the four of us in, or three of us in, in a room playing like, and we can be just jamming around and a song will just sort of happened and that happened with some of the earlier stuff like I remember Closer to You the song Closer to You happened like that we were just standing around the room and we all just started grooving and yeah. then the song just just came and I ran upstairs and wrote the lyrics and, and that was it but it can be different each time but as I say we're cold it was like a cold wet night in Dingle very late and I was just banging away in the piano trying to play random rhythms and this sort of little song came that didn't sound like anything else I'd written before I think that's the reason I picked it. It's it's not a single, it's not a hit Corona song, but it was different and it said what I wanted to say and it sort of, it wasn't just like, oh, my heart is broken because I've gone through another breakup. It was like, it just had a different angle on the yeah. whole thing. And I was so, I sort of liked that. And musically, it was very different. It, even the arrangement of it, it starts in a chorus and it's all yeah, over the place. That's, and that's exactly what I was about to say to you. Yeah. The chorus is that good that you can start the song with it. And yeah. and for me, musically, right, oh, 
I just think the song is absolutely epic. It just builds and builds. And, you know, when you go into your second chorus, it starts to kick in. But for me, when the second verse comes in, the stuff that's going on, like I, I always listen on headphones and, you know, there's there's little licks going on with the guitars and, the, you know, there's a little bit of keys coming in and out. And it's just musically. You see, I'd be a huge fan, we say, of Porcupine Tree, of Rush, of Yes, these bands who just love epic music songs. Yeah. And to me, it's kind of that kind of a vein. When I was listening to it, it was like, ooh, this is something different from you guys. Yeah, Definitely. And uh, I'm glad, uh, I really appreciate you saying that because definitely the second verse for me is 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 really important part of the song. Yeah. And it's like, it takes a while to get there. It's like the second verse, I think it's like two minutes in before the second verse starts. Like, But it, it is that w- arrival moment. And yeah. as you say, there's all little subtle things going yeah. on. And I have to give credit to our, our producer, George Murphy, who, who produced the, the album in, in London. And we sent him a demo that was, and, and to be honest, in a lot of ways, he didn't, veer too much from the demo like the demo had harmonies in in the cold bits it started with a chorus and all but where george really came into his own is all those subtle little textures in verse two and you know and and just the sounds and the sonically where it sits and the other thing that arrived and i have to give credit to nox air bass player he had the whole the whole outro was his baby he was like lads oh wow this song the land and it needs to be just us going crazy and us yeah. banging our instruments, ba 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 ba. Danny shouting some sort of lyric on top of it, and everyone just banging, and that'll be the where we end up because yeah. we had and, then, and it was funny because we had actually recorded everything, but we sort of tagged on that outro because we just had gotten up as far as the second chorus, and and then we sort of did the verse two groove again as an outro. And it was just like, yeah, okay, but it needs to end up somewhere, you know? And that was his idea of, all right, we'll just start banging and go crazy at the end. And it's, it's the loudest moment on the album. It's a huge payoff. And we played it only twice before lockdown and both times we were all like, that was a lot of fun. There's a savage version of it on your YouTube channel where you've done it in a studio. Oh my God. I came across it last, I actually came across it last night. And I even dragged my eldest daughter and I was like, look, 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 listen to this song. Just listen to this song. She'd yeah. never, ever heard it. And she yeah. walked out and she was like, wow, just wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. and also, I guess um, for a band as well, for you guys, I mean, this is the album where four became three. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. And it's funny because initially we wrote the song when Dave was in the band, but then we went and recorded. He had told us then that he, he wants to leave so we were recording the song without him and we were working on, on different bits and I was playing bits of guitar and I just said to the lads, I was like, lads, let's just ring Dave and ask him when he come over and play some guitar. And, and, and thankfully he did. So he came back over and he played guitar on the song and we got him involved and, and it, was, it was cool. It was, like, it was like a testimonial. He had already left the band, but we got him back in studio to play on it and he ended up playing on three or four songs in the album and it was so great to have him back because it was such a amicable ending you know he just wasn't enjoying it anymore especially the touring and and he just wanted to do other things he wanted to go back to college and, and do a bit of teaching and just do different things and so it, he can it, be that popular def- teacher in school that was like do you know what i used to do <laughs> yeah exactly the only problem is he's doing primary school teaching so i don't even think they're like who, who are the crows the parents um, so, so. <laughs> yeah maybe the parents exactly 
But uh, so, yeah, it was great to have him involved. And then we got another guitar player, Lark Hay from Alterance, who played a bit of guitar on it as well. And he, he made some of those cool sounds, the sort of atmospheric sonic. And is he the guy that's in the video from the studios? Yeah, that, that's Larry. He's yeah. unbelievable. He's he is really, really good. He's the guitar in, in a band called the All Twins. Ah, great band. Yeah. So he's been playing with us a bit recently and, and he's amazing. So he played on a lot of the album as well. And will he tour with you? Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't had a tour since, but I mean, he was meant to uh, play with us in the summer, and and we for this live stream that we're doing from the Olympia on the twelfth of December, he's going to he's going to be playing with cool. us then. Um, so who knows what will happen when when touring comes back? Like, I don't think we're going to have one specific guitar player that'll play with us always. I think we'll we'll see what what type of gigs are coming up, and hopefully have have our choice of a few. Like, I mean, the band has gotten bigger now. We've got two backing vocalists. We have a brass section sometimes. We have a piano player, Johnny, who's been playing with us for years. So the band is getting bigger as opposed to smaller yeah. with, with members leaving. But uh, yeah, who knows? I'd say Larry will definitely play with us in future and, and hopefully if he, if he says yes when we ask him. Cool. Okay, well, will we have a listen so to the final song that you've chosen? Sure. Okay, and I have to say this is a, this is a song that I'm absolutely loving at the moment. This is... The Coronas and a song called Cold from their album True Love Waits. And this is the fourth song that Danny has chosen on the podcast.
I envisage this song, right? <laughs> when I was listening to it, I envisage it, right? As an end of gig kind of epic song, right? With loads of voices joining you on the stage, right? But equally, you could hear a pin drop moment with just you and a piano doing it as well. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those songs. It's, it's got all, all ranges of dynamic, doesn't it? Between, the, on, between the quiet parts. And the, that last night I listened yeah. to it, I think I must have went back to the second verse alone about 10 times yeah. just no to hear all the stuff that's going on in the background. It sent a shiver. even there, I, I'm listening and there's a few, he has all these little cool little rhythmical things that come and go. Like George did an amazing job on that. But no, I'm really proud of it. Like listening to it, it's making me want to oh, go. I can't wait till we play it live, you know. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it, it it turned out really well. It's probably my favorite song on the new album now. I have to say. Yeah, you know what? It's my yeah. I'm I'm kind of the same. It's my it's my favorite Corona song at the moment. That's good. That's good. I appreciate you know? it. That's and 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 the beauty is, as you said, it's not a single. No. No, I don't think it will be either. No, no it's, it's it's one of those no, album a, songs that's just going to be a dinger, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It'll be definitely part of the set for a long time, hopefully, you know. And I love the, the right at the end where you're saying, "Give me a reason to see you anyway." Do you know who I thought of? And and I don't like to compare anybody to anybody, right? Because everybody's individual. Bono. <laughs> no way. Honest yeah, to yeah. God, yeah, I was like, that's yes. how Bono would nail those lines as well. When I was listening yeah, to it, yeah. it was. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Thank you so much, Pierce. I take that as a compliment. And you know what? It's 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 you know it's it's lovely doing this with you, and I'm so glad that you joined me. You know because I I, I kind of I can kind of say that I've seen you guys from the beginning because yeah. I remember when you were just Corona, and I used to play in a band in Dublin called Echo, and we were playing a gig in the Sugar Club one night way back. I don't know, maybe 2004, 2005. I can't exactly remember the year, but I remember we were looking at the bill. And we were the last band on the night and we kind of went Corona. And I liked the drink Corona, right? And we were like, <laughs> you know, could they not have maybe picked a bigger beer, you know, a better beer, more rock and roll sounding? And I always remember when you guys went on stage because you opened the night. And I remember we all just looked at each other thinking, oh, my God, these guys are unreal. And we had no seen way. we'd seen your mother in the audience and we were thinking, wow, Mary Black's in the audience. My God, this is unreal. <laughs> She'd come to see you guys because at the end we saw her. Come. So when I say I followed your journey more or less from the beginning, I kind of, I'm not, I'm not lying. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a great story. Yeah. You know, God, long time ago now. Oh my God, man. Yeah. It was a long, <laughs> long, long time ago. For 2021, assuming everything goes back to normal, is it going to be a busy time for you guys? Yeah, I mean, if things go back to normal, we, we have a lot of touring to catch up on. I mean, we were meant to do Tour of America in May, uh, Europe, Australia and the UK, all all tours that we had to postpone. So, I mean, I don't know if they will go back to normal in 2021. I do think there'll be gigs this year for sure. I think by next summer, even if they're somewhat socially distant, I think there will be gigs. Regardless of a vaccine, I think there will be gigs. But whether we can get to America this year, I don't know. Or, yeah. I mean, in 2021. How I, does America I react to you? Like, only, re- like, in the last few years, we've really made progress. And it's funny, like, you know, in the early days, we'd go over to New York, we'd get a bit of a crowd, but to be all expats. But in the last couple of years, like, our last tour there, we sold out a venue called Irving Plaza in New York. It's a beautiful venue. It's like Vicar Street, like, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's over a thousand capacity. And, and we sold it out. And, you know, it was mainly Americans had it. It was, it was great. And we just started to get a bit more of a, following and a sort of 
fan base and we know knew the cities that we were doing well in and which ones that we wouldn't bother going back in because we only had 20 people come see us so we we had sort of nailed down this tour for may that we were so excited about tickets were selling really well the whole thing but obviously it all it all got postponed and it's been postponed twice more since then so it's uh it's one of those things that we don't know when we'll be back but i love touring america so i hope it does come back you know i suppose at the moment we're we're bombarded with all the chaos that's going on over there between the presidency and everything with, with, with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and, and just the general civil unrest and all that and, and how, how badly they've hold, handled the COVID situation. But there is a lot of people over there. There is a, a lot of another side of, of America that's actually okay. And that's, yeah. you know, they, they love music and, and, you know, and, and I think the vaccine will get rolled out there quicker as well. So maybe that will help her our case and going back there sooner rather than later. But I do hope we go back on the road. I love touring. We were meant to go to Australia as well. I love, love playing in Oz. So hopefully it comes back. But I mean, at this stage, we'll take anything, you know, I'd love yeah. to, fingers crossed next summer, there'll be, there'll be some gigs in Ireland. I think the first run of festivals in Ireland will be amazing because we bands <laughs> traveling through, it'll be all Irish acts yeah. on the bill, head to toe. It'll be like the old school failure, the trip to tips or the list environment or whatever. And it'll just be, you know, Hosier and Dermot Kennedy on the top bill and, you know, all the different bands down. The, down. Hasn't Dermot Kennedy done so well? Oh, he's amazing. He's he amazing. like. Lovely fella as well. Oh, he seems to be. Obviously, you, you, you would yeah. rub shoulders, right? I mean, is, yeah. is there a kind well, of. I met him a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's a sweetheart. He's a lovely fella. Lovely fella. Came to one of our Olympia gigs only a couple of years ago. And because we had a friend in common and he just wanted to have a chat and just chat about music and get a bit of advice. And this was. You know, this was, and little did I know, three years later, he'd be one of the biggest artists in the world. I so know. I'm delighted he, for him. He's he blew artist, up. Yeah. Like, you go on Spotify and it's like hundreds of millions of listens. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and fair play to him. His voice is incredible and yeah. the songs are brilliant. So, yeah. yeah. Um, delighted for his success. Yeah. Okay. Listen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast, man. As I've said, I've I've kind of been there since the beginning, even further than down the road in the earlier beginnings, but always been a massive admirer of, of your music, of your lyrics. But after listening to the four songs that were most personal to you, I now know that I'm going to listen with different ears next time. That's good. That's a good sign. I'm glad. And listen, I really enjoyed it as well, Pierce. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Foreplay. If you're an artist or a band and you're interested in getting in touch, then you can do so in many different ways. You can email me at podcastforeplay at gmail.com, on Twitter at podcastforeplay, on Facebook at Foreplay Music Podcast, and on Instagram at Foreplay Music Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again, and we'll chat soon.